0: Good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are a version of my journals out loud. And what I wanted to talk about today is kind of a follow up on what I discussed last Tuesday. So I'm going to put that podcast link in the post. Uh, I was talking about what it meant to be, you know, wolf, dog, human, and how we respond, you know, with our fight instinct, our push, our you know, get back? How do we protect our boundaries? And so uh, I want to take it a little bit further. And as you saw from the title, it's really the next step question in all this is do no harm versus, you know, can I help or am I hurting more by my helping? So before we do that, you know, if you're new, the basis of these podcasts are really to talk about who we are is what I call wired for danger, meaning that in most situations that are very dangerous we run into them as opposed to flight or freeze up running away or just breaking down not as something that's right or wrong but i'm trying to to offer a perspective through this particular nervous system response because we are a tiny percentage of the population I believe we are a necessary percentage of the population, but I'm having a lot of questions about how we move forward in our own personal and spiritual, mental, emotional growth as a percentage of this population. So uh, this is me just doing a lot of reflecting. I haven't really hammered this whole theory out. Uh, So with that, we're going to take a deep breath. And we're going to begin again. So after I uh, left you last week, and I wanted, or last Tuesday, and I wanted to say I really appreciate the comments because it triggered sort of the next wave of this conversation in my head and my heart. Because at the end of the day, you know, I think, you know, there was a really nice comment by Allison. She said it's the same way, right? That you push into a situation whether you for better or for worse, because you just want to help, and you know I repeat that mantra to myself all the time. But my observation post helping right is one no good deed goes unpunished. I think we all can relate to that, right? I'm just trying to help, and then you end up you know paying the price for one way or the other. Uh, and you know at a tiny level, I don't know about you guys, but. You know, I've observed in my attempts to help nature, like to save that bug or to save that, even save the spider, you know, save the animal. A lot of times I end up making it worse. I mean, I always am shocked, but I would say, you know, in a fair equation, I probably kill more than 50% of those I'm trying to help. Not intentionally, but because, you know, you're quote unquote trying to help them survive something happens and they end up getting squished or things get worse or on and on and on. And so that's always been fascinating to me. You know, do you do nothing and let the animal or the insect or the person suffer? Or do you try to intervene? Uh, And I, I don't have an answer for that. That's something that I've struggled with. And I don't have A solution because I don't think there is one. But the reason I am bringing it up and wanting to talk about it is that so many of us who are push people, you know, we're we're either super evil and we're pushing to get more, we're pushing to control, we're pushing to take, or we're pushing because we're just trying to do the right thing, right? I just, I'm just trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to prevent something bad happening to you. I'm trying to stop your suffering. I'm trying to help the problem as I perceive it. The cost of that is very high. And as I said, when I started this, no good deed seems to go unpunished. Uh, But the other component, and that's really, you know, what the last podcast was about, is you can't really have it both ways. In many ways, you know, being wired to intervene and save the day means there's a whole bunch of negative baggage that comes with that. So a quick temper, a quick rush, a quick flood, I call it the violence within. You know, I keep saying I like it, but I don't Like it if anybody else is around it. I don't like others being exposed to it, but you can't have it both ways, right? You can't have that flooding hormonal rush of intense energy, focus, power to, you know, step forward and grab the child and pull them away from the oncoming car without just freezing up and staring at it happening, right? You can't have that capacity to save the day. And also, with that same child flooding the next second, if it's yours, like, I told you not to go into the street, right? So, I mean, it's hard to separate the two. And and maybe that's total mastery. Uh, You know, Eduardo put in his comment, you know, vigilance and kindness are a difficult mix. And You know, and I've been thinking a lot about vigilance, and I'm going to have a whole separate conversation about that at some point because that's being demonized. Oh, if you've had trauma and you're hypervigilant, you need to fix that and stop being hypervigilant. And I'm looking around saying, well, yeah, you know, you don't want to be triggered by your PTSD and flipping out. But at the same time, it's all our lack of vigilance that's gotten us to the situation in the first place. I can hear the dogs, all going off outside because the dogs are vigilant. They are they are listening. Mine aren't. Mine are sleeping here, but the other dogs on the property hear something, and I heard something this morning. When I took them out to go to the bathroom this morning, I heard something run away. I hope it was running away, but I'm like, ah, right? Because there's a lot of trees. I can't see anything. That's why I like big open spaces, so I can at least use the flashlight and see what's there. Even though if I saw something scary coming at me, I don't know what I would do, right? Because vigilance has a very specific purpose. The problem is if it gets stuck in high gear and you can't turn it off. So But going back to what this podcast is about is this question of, quote unquote, I just want to do the right thing. I just want to help. Uh, I'm here to serve. I'm here to be of service. Uh, One of the interesting things, you know, in the warrior culture is samurai means to serve. And, you know, the samurai were a mixture of those trying to do the right thing and those, taking advantage because they had fighting skills. So it will always be all mixed up and there is no solution, answer, or process that works for everybody in all time and we all can just like kumbaya. These explorations aren't because we're supposed to have heaven on earth. I believe these explanations are a way for us to navigate our personal experience through especially this incredibly chaotic period where we are being called on those who are wired for danger, who are fight people, but you can't have it both ways. You can't have someone protect you and then get mad because they get angry with you. You cannot have it both ways. And I don't have the answer to that. And that's what got me thinking about this which is more important, to do no harm to, and to not interfere or to try to help but deal with the fallout from quote-unquote being helpful? And so I was uh, flipping through my... I had a lot of anxiety yesterday. I took a different antihistamine. I think that's what kind of triggered it. But in addition to everything going on all around us, but... um I was trying to read you know some of my spiritual material while I was you know filtering these ideas. And I got to uh, you know a list of traits, you know in a person who was seeking a spiritual path. And one of them was gentleness. And you know, I just bristle at that. not because I don't value it, but when I think about having to be kind, sweet, gentle, calm, 24-7, I mean, first of all, that's never going to happen. And I get really angry because I don't want to be like that. But then when I'm not gentle, when I am like I was in that previous po- posting I made about when I, my energy is push and I snap and I set that boundary in a harsh way, there's nothing gentle about that. But nature requires it. Life requires these moments where, you know, this is your third warning. You know, you didn't hear the two gentle ones, right? Here's the harsh one to get your attention. But we live in this snowflake culture of you hurt my feelings. And so that was my next question. Can you do no harm because if I hurt your feelings, have I harmed you? What does do no harm really mean? It's, you know, when, when you're in the hospital, you know, you have to hurt people to fix people, right? If your leg is broken, it's going to hurt a lot when we pop it back into place. Uh, if your tooth is rotting, it's going to hurt a lot to pull it out. If you're hungry and you want to eat, it's going to be a lot of work to grow food, You're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. You're going to have a lot of of mess to clean up. You're going to have to have a lot of patience, right? There's nothing comfortable about having to be responsible for your life. But we interpret that as harmful, right? Oh, you're asking too much of me. Uh, I still can visualize this uh, young woman on a university campus, and she was screaming. She's probably like 19 years old or so. She's screaming at the top of her lungs at this bewildered professor saying, uh, he's trying to explain that the university, a was some kind of outdoor protesting, and, and he was just walking by, right? So it's really difficult when your mind is someplace else and someone jumps on you and starts screaming at you. But he was trying to explain that the purpose of university, which it always has been, is to develop critical thinking, which means you have to challenge your beliefs. You have to engage in conflict in discussing ideas. You have to be willing to consider things that are uncomfortable, not to agree with them, but to be able to manage and navigate, you know, different kinds of ideas and how to do that Intellectually, so you don't have to kill people, right? So there's a very intentional purpose used to be about university. She's screaming at the top of her lungs about how no, this is she is supposed to be safe here and it's his. Job to make sure she is safe at all times and to never challenge her. And you know, he's just looking at her, and I think he's one of those ones that ended up getting fired because he's like, No, that's not what the university is about. And she's wild and irrational, and he gets fired for speaking the truth, right? She gets rewarded even though she's done harm. She's assaulted this guy with her irrationality, but in her mind, she's the victim. She had her feelings hurt because somebody challenged her perceptions and she didn't want to deal with it. And so she blew up in a fit of anger, but in her mind, she was right. And so we've moved into this point, like what does do no harm really mean? What? is harm, right? When we go to the hospital, we once upon a time believed that they were there to take care of us. You know, with this last uh, illness flash episode, we come to find out that the protocol was to kill people. And that the hospital made a lot of money if you died of a specific disease process. So there was a protocol issued to maximize death. And most people don't want to believe that because, in their mind, they can't coordinate going to the hospital where the mandate of the healthcare profession is do no harm and the experience of being intentionally harmed. Right, It's not something that we can put together. In the same way, we think the government is here to protect us. And so those people who can't tolerate that idea that the person who's supposed to protect me will never do me harm puts their faith in institutions and others that are incredibly harmful. And so There isn't a simple answer to this question. What does it mean to do no harm? Are your feelings something that can be harmed? Uh, You know, I think it's a very different, you know, for a child, if you're berating a child and telling him he's, you know, bad and stupid and useless and worthless, right? That's harmful to that child. If you're correcting that child and saying, no, you can't do that, And you are going to fly off the handle because nobody is perfect 24-7, 365. But you take the time to come back and explain, well, you know, I'm not mad at you. We're just looking at the behavior. Have you really created harm? But we're in a world that says, you know, I'm supposed to be safe and comfortable all the time. And it's everybody else's responsibility to take care of me. And it's impossible. But... For those of us who are just, quote, unquote, trying to be helpful, the rules are getting more and more difficult. You know, I think about the police. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being a police officer in today's world where you're trying to do the right thing and you end up in jail? I can't even imagine, you know, how horrible the betrayal is on the flip side you know, those people that are in military and law enforcement who are the opposite, who are cruel and evil, using that institution of do no harm and protect and serve to also be very harmful and to take advantage and to perpetrate, right? There's as many, you know, there's the bad guys that are supposed to take care of us, and then there's the good guys that are supposed to take care of us. And You know, it's the same type of person, but it's just two sides of of that same coin. So there isn't, you know, you can't have it both ways. We can't have a perfect system. And all we can do, right, is step back and ask ourselves, who and how we want to be within everything that's happening. And I can't imagine, you know, trying to be a police officer in the world today. So I probably wouldn't do it, right? There's no incentive for me to be helpful in a world that's going to persecute me, even though I'm trying to do the right thing. And, you know, for anybody who's been in a high stress situation, right, like somebody's trying to shoot you, you don't have, you know, you listen to these trials and well, why did you do that? You know, when things are happening in an escalated, intense moment, you don't have time to Okay, well, let me consider, right, you're operating on training and instinct and doing the best you can, and there will never be perfect outcomes. But we're in this incredible persecutory period of time, and the people who are doing the most persecuting are what I talked about before. They've never been held in check, and now that group has a lot of power, and so there's no check system. So they're pushing, 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 even though they are not meant to be push people. And so the confrontation will get bigger and uglier the longer it is delayed. But, you know, you roll it back into your personal experience. Do I want to deal with that? Do I want to be the one that has to deal with the consequences? You know, do I want to be the January 6th guys that are just showed up to protect in case things got escalated and you know say okay I'm going to hold my principles and they're looking at 18 years in prison 22 years in prison because they were just trying to do the right thing at the moment and they're just trying to do the right thing now by by not lying because you know they have the prosecutors saying if you lie we'll let you go do we really want to live in that world? But when we punish the people who are trying to keep power in check without having any other kind of blowback, it doesn't work. And again, you know, we have to roll that back into our own personal decisions. And what are our personal responsibilities? And what do we have the fortitude to deal with. And, you know, I think as many of you are are older like me that, you know, I don't have the energy to go to prison to stand up for my principles. You know, I got these two freaking dogs to take care of. I can't afford to put myself in a situation, but, you know, your back gets far enough up against the wall, you might react. So, rolling that back again, I want to go back to the very simple day in and day out. And as I was contemplating this, you know, for myself, am I really being helpful? Or am I being stupid? Because, uh, you know, one of the comments, you know, two of the comments have been, you know, you should be making more money for the content you produce. And, you know, I don't because I don't have good marketing skills. I am terrible self-promotion skills. And, you know, I've put myself in a situation where I don't even have a, a consistent way to work. And, you know, I know over the years, people are constantly like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because nobody can really grasp the ridiculousness of my situation. And it's not unfixable. It's just this personal situation. I was talking to my, uh, stepdad yesterday and he was like you should xyz you know in terms of family communications I said you don't understand you know when I'm on the phone I have it perched up in one corner it only works sometimes mostly before sunrise so I can't call at 10 a.m. I'm not I don't know when the cell signal will work and will it, when it won't work. I can barely keep an appointment, right? Uh, I, you know, have worked out with the family. This is when I can call because statistically, it's more likely that the phone is going to work. And yeah, I could drive someplace and probably find a signal. But, you know, it's the same thing with the Internet. You know, I can sometimes, and, th- and that doesn't have anything to do with here. It has to do with the rural community. Uh, you know, sometimes you can get decent speed. And uh, the other day I went to go, you know, work on the website and I checked the speed and it was good. It was like 3.2 megabytes. I'm like, oh, good. I can do whatever I need to do. I don't have to worry about speed. So I hooked everything up. You know, I have to walk a distance. I have to carry all my crap. I have to deal with the dogs, right? Uh, And I get all set up and all of a sudden the pages won't load. I'm like, what happened? Right? So I I, you know, check is the the router working, you know, all these other things. So I check the speed, it's gone down to 16 kilobytes, which is basically, you know, less than dial-up. It just stopped working. And so I sat there for a while, and it didn't come back. So now I gotta, you know, take everything down and walk back over to where I stay. And, you know, I don't have the strength to walk back and forth 15 times a day trying to get all this crap to work. So, you know, I don't know how I got on that jag. The jag being that that um, we don't understand. You know, you just can't have it both ways. We don't. Actually, I totally lost my train of thought on that. So let's just close Jill bitching about her living situation. So back to rolling it back to, you know, the day in and the day out. Who do you want to be? How do you want to be? Oh, that my—that was my point. You know, yes, I want to be useful. Yes, I want to be helpful. But I can't function in the way that most people function. And I don't have the patience to deal with it. So I escalate, you know, I get frustrated and I can't deal with it. Well, you can't really be creative and constructive when you're pissed off and tired. And so you know, a lot of why I can't get forward is because I've all these things I'm trying to contend with. Uh, And, and the question again, you know, is it worth it? Do I want to continue to try to be helpful and useful versus is it just not worth it? Should I just step back? Should I just step away? And, you know, and there the, and, and if you only take one thing from this podcast, this was the one thing I meant to start with this. This is the one thing if you walk away with this podcast today that you take from it. It takes seven positives to offset one negative. And there was a guy who uh, would film people for like 30 minutes, but he could always tell within the first three minutes whether this marriage or this romantic partnership was going to work out. And what he was measuring is the positive to the negative feedback session. And so when you're a wired for danger person, you are very reactive. So you're more likely to do things in a negative way, right? Just stop it, right? You just, uh, you're more likely until you train yourself to not be, uh, you know you you may lose your temper but you can you know stop making it personal but still it feels like a negative blast of energy so it's a boundary but you know you've hurt my feelings by setting that boundary now, it's up. is it up to the person to decide, you know, whether their feelings really should be hurt or not? You know, we can't control that side. So if you get somebody who feels like you've harmed me because you've set a boundary, now you have a big fat negative in that side. So now you have to do seven positive reinforcement things to counteract your one negative. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, is it better for me to just shut up and go away? and hide out alone by myself because in the same way, you know, I find I kill most of the things I'm trying to save. Do we do more harm trying to be helpful than if we just got out the way? And maybe we should get out of the way. Maybe we should just move out of the way until the right time comes to step in. I don't have the answers to any of this. I'm just been thinking about that because that really flashed and how... Uh, you know, I'm living in proximity to other people, uh, and I can't control myself 100% of the time, and I don't want to be snappy and bitchy, but I am. You know, when I get tired and I don't feel good, I'm snappy and bitchy. Uh, you know, when I get frustrated with my living situation, I get tired and bitchy. And so is it better to just remove yourself and and do no harm? So if I never do that one negative, right, I don't even have to do the seven positives to make up for it. It would be a lot easier to cancel out the one negative than to have to do all the work, right, for the seven positives. So I just think that's really interesting. I don't have the answers to any of this. And, you know, when we say do no harm, what's helpful and what's hurtful How much responsibility do each of us have for managing what feels helpful or hurtful within us? And, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about this moment in time is that, you know, we have social media. Uh, And I don't know about you guys, but what's been, as I've observed myself seeing the quote-unquote true colors, right, of mostly creative people, you know, Actors, actresses, musicians, things like that. As I'm getting a window (laughs) into their real personality and their real belief system, I like, I can't watch their work anymore. You know, if they're mild, you know, I can still kind of watch it, but the value of their creative endeavors drastically is reduced. So, uh, one of my favorite movies, as you know, is Out of Africa with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford. But I can't stand either one of their politics. I can't stand some of the things they say. And there's this thing now. I'm like, you know, I can still just, you know, it's, if it's a really good movie or a really good book or a really good song, right, you can kind of divorce yourself uh, sometimes from the politics of the person. But but it's been I won't watch anything new that they do. Like it's over for me. The relationship is over, right? Because I've now attached their personal beliefs and energy to their creativity. I think the same is true for books and even nonfiction stuff, even self help stuff. You know, I one of the things that was really interesting for me is when I uh would see behind the scenes about some of the most uh, quote unquote people trying to help are the most terrible behind the scenes. you know they're egotistical, they're snappy, they're rude. Uh, I don't know if any of you watched uh, the Secret, but there was a young one of the younger men, and he was, you know, the more attractive one, so he got a lot of attention and I think it was James Ray, something or other. and You know, he was real confident, you know, they were all confident and they're telling you how it is and why this, the secret worked for them and, you know, how they're, all the success they have and how fabulous it was. And he, you know, went on because that was such a huge, uh, boom, right. And all the, I mean, it was just explosive. So they all got, you know, a lot of attention and they got a lot of new admirers and followers and, uh, he went on, you know, to continue his workshops and his uh, materials and his teachings. And uh, and if you watched the news, all of a sudden, you know, he's in jail. And what happened is he was doing workshops and getting more and more kind of egotistical and full of himself and pushing limits and boundaries. And uh, to the point where they were doing a sweat in Sedona and Several people died because it was not properly done. And he was like in total denial about being responsible at all. It was shocking sort of to listen to his thinking process. Well, this documentary was after he got out of jail. And so, uh, you know, and he's this broken man, but he's had all this time to think about it. And it's it's interesting to listen to that story Because he talks about how much pressure there was to maintain the illusion. You know, having to convince people to buy his programs because his overhead kept going higher and higher and higher. And he couldn't, you know, when he was engaging with people, all he was thinking is I have to sell you this because we need to make money. And all these quote unquote free workshops, you know, that he was putting on around the country to try to get people to buy his stuff so that they would invest in the more expensive programs. You know, it was all about the money. It was all about the status. It was all about the illusion. It was all about the, the, uh, the game. But, you know, in his mind, if you listen to him talk about as a kid, I just wanted to help people. And he got a little bit of success when he came up with this first idea. But then it became a machine. And the machine was about consuming people so they could get the money, so they could keep the structure going. Now, is the content helpful? I don't know. Is it real? If it's destructive at its source? Uh, you know, I don't have any answers to this. But what we see as people who are helpful and successful, you know, it, do we get value if we don't understand what's going on behind the scenes? Because we have a lot of judgment. And I think that's, you know, where I get swept up into this is people have a lot of judgment Well, I can't know what I'm talking about because look how I live because I share my personal story. Uh, I talk about my personal struggles, right? Well, you can't know what you're talking about if you're not rich and successful and powerful and influential. Now, for those of you who've been with me a long time, uh, I you know, made videos for a long time and nobody watched. And I always talk about, you know, in 2016, it was my favorite time because I was being super creative and I loved what I was doing because nobody was watching it. And I was experimenting and I was pushing boundaries and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but at some point people started watching my RV video. So I went from like 300 to 3000 in a very short amount of time. And, I was getting a lot more interaction. You know, people were writing me for advice. People were wanting to meet me. uh, You know, people were pushing in on me. And I didn't like it. And uh, I was really uncomfortable. And then I was bored. And then I don't want to talk about the RV crap anymore. And people didn't like my stuff that I like. They don't like the music and the editing and things like that. And... I crashed my channel. And I've never really recovered from that because uh, there's, and that's, you know, when people say, well, you should be more successful. Well, there's a price to all of that. There's a price to managing a business. It takes a lot of energy to manage a business. Uh, You know, I can't even get my stupid mailing situation in check, right? Like, to run a business, you know, to to be effective, to be successful, takes a lot of energy that doesn't have anything to do with, the I just want to help component to it. And, you know, I don't have the capacity to interact with that. The other thing is that, you know, as people Gravitate towards you, they have a perception of who you are. And, you know, when I look at what goes on in my real life versus the perception maybe of the online life, the value of the content is diminished because either they know what I'm really like or they have a lot of judgments or, you know, they're on the short end of my temper, right? So is it better to be helpful and anonymous? Was it better? Before, when we just had uh, people who managed creative people and kept them out of the limelight, was it better before social media when we could take value from the person's creativity or thinking or processing or exploring or adventures? But now that we know that person, you know, in order for that person to be successful, they have to perpetuate. The, the same theme, the same ideas, the false persona. Is that really helpful to create the illusion, right? So that James, whatever, Ray, is it really helpful if he has to struggle that hard to make money to sell the illusion that ends up killing people? Is that really helpful? But we want his information because it's going to make us rich and successful and powerful too. So, I mean, so these are all these, you know, thingies that are swinging around. And I get most of you are not sitting around thinking about this stuff because there's no answer to it. And most of this stuff is driving us at a very unconscious level. And most of us are older. And so we're not in that cycle anymore of trying to run around and uh, find ourselves out in the world. You know, the second half of life is really more about Retreating and understanding who we are within ourselves. And, but, I should say, and but, right? But for those of us who have this push thing, have this I want to be helpful thing, it's really hard to turn off. And whether it's, you know, with the three people and a few animals, if that's your circle, or if your circle is millions of people. What is helpful versus do no harm? What is the difference? and and we're so fickle, and things are in so much flux that I think the only thing we can do is ask ourselves what is right for us? And you know we're in a persecutory period of time where because, The power structure was not held in check. Now they're able to do things that are just outlandish, and people have become more empowered through being victims than they have through being responsible. We are persecuting people who are trying to protect us. And so as someone who wants to be protective, we have to ask ourselves, Do I want to sacrifice myself to save you from being accountable for your own actions? And that's really a difficult question. You know, I think it's simple, you know, when it's animals and children, right? Yeah. If the kid is running into the street, you're going to save the kid. But, you know, if the the herd is charging off the cliff because they don't want to know, Is it better to let them fall off the cliff and deal with the consequences? You know, we all had that within our families, right? Those of us who wanted to know about taking the shot and those of us who don't want to know about taking the shot. And having to live with the consequences. And even people who were screaming the loudest, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, their kids got the shot. I mean, it's shocking to think that you could be, uh, you know, the the loudest one saying danger, 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 and your own children were taken behind your back. So it's very complex. I, I don't have a solution for it. But, you know, the thing that really stuck with me uh, from that last podcast and from your comments is you can't have it both ways. And this really kind of shocking fact of it takes seven positives to counteract one negative. And most acts of push are perceived as negative, right? Anybody setting a limit, anybody telling us no, anybody pushing back on us is perceived as a negative. And if you want to be successful, then you have to spend a lot of time telling people, no, no, you know, everything's okay, or you have to uh, win back your followers or your viewers if you're in the public eye, right? You see that with a lot of celebrities who try to make a stand. Okay, this is wrong. And then the the woke crowd jumps on them. Some of them say, no, I'm not going to back off. But most of them spend a lot of energy trying to recoup their losses, because more Too many people turned on them from them trying to push a little bit. Oh, you hurt my feelings because you told me something I don't want to hear. I will no longer worship you if you do not accommodate my very tender feelings, right? And so, what I don't know what do no harm means anymore. It seemed it used to be simple, right? It used to be, you know, if I'm a doctor, I'm going to do everything I can to fix you. Now, you know, I'm a doctor, so if I want to keep my job, I have to follow the rules. And the rules from the hospital are we have to make money. And if we don't make money, we can't have a hospital. And so the best way to make money is to intentionally kill people. I mean, like, that sounds so crazy. Most people can't factor that in. And that's what's happening. And if you speak the truth as a doctor, we're going to take your license away. So... We're in this really interesting period of do no harm. What does that mean? And those of us who are wired to push for truth, push to protect, right? Push to do the right thing are being hyper penalized right now. And so either you accept the consequences and do it anyways, or you say, screw it, I don't want to deal with it. You know, and I'm finding my reaction right now is to, Uh, pack myself up and just go out and, you know, hide. Because I don't want to deal with the fallout of other people's feelings. I don't want to deal with the demand. And that's not what happened here. This is me just projecting. You know, I don't want to deal with having to monitor myself, you know, in a way that I know is never going to happen, right? Uh, And that's really, you know, why I spend so much time alone is because I know interacting with me hurts people's feelings, not because I'm trying to be hurtful, but because who I am creates hurt feelings. Now, the dogs get over it very quickly. The dogs don't hold grudges. The dogs, you know, it's interesting for those of you who are, you know, here in the Freedom Days, my dog, the last dog I had, Freedom, did not have any need to cuddle or uh, like affection. So I I you know, I told him once a day I have to give him affection because I needed that, right? So in the morning, you know, I would say I love you, right? We would do our little cuddle session and he would like grit, bear it, you know, tense up until I would get over it. And then the rest of the day He just did his own, you know, he kept himself very separated, right? He was very much about, unless I scratch in his butt, then he was all over that. So these two dogs are very affectionate. And it was, boy, we had this scary storm yesterday with like super hail. I was grateful it didn't get big and ruin my car, but but the temperature just dropped and it got cold and it was dark and the thunder is really loud and this crazy hail is coming down and they just could not get on top of me enough and it's you know it's funny now with two of them trying to crawl on top of me and it's a very different experience you know they're very affectionate uh and if I snap at them they don't withhold affection they don't shut down they just get over it really really quickly and you know I'm I'm the same way I hold a grudge a lot longer not a grudge I you know I pull back and retreat for a long time and you know animals just let it go that push that correction that no you know humans hold on to it maybe a lifetime right we never forget we never forgive however you want to look at that but um, we are we have much more difficulty processing any kind of push because we perceive most push as doing us harm. You said no. You pushed back at me. You hurt my feelings. Are are hurt feelings really harmful? At what point are we as adults required to manage our own response to other people's energy in terms of whether that hurts our feelings or not? Are are we demanding that the illusion be perpetrated so that we can get what we want, right? We're still chasing things. I think that are very immature, not us, but just, you know, generally as humans, you know, you don't see that in the animal kingdom and you don't see that at the tribal level. Most of the time you do in some, but, but in this weird world of civilized complexity with social media, where you can anonymously attack or you you're over personalizing right so as a celebrity how you would make everybody happy is impossible i mean i can't make you know three people i live with happy like all at the same time right everybody's got a different emotional reaction so i just want to stay out the way it's too much work it takes too much energy uh I don't want to talk about it all the time. I don't want to be on the receiving end of it ever. Uh, I just want to get over it and move on. And you can't control those things. And so what's helpful and what's hurtful? What happens when you're wired to help, trying to rescue the little insects? The girl dog likes to eat these little black beetles on the ground. And, you know, they're the one, they're stink bugs, so they're, their fear response, their, their defense is to stick their butt up in the air and spray, right? But they have these fragile little legs and they flip over really easily. And, but they're very resilient and, you know, I, their legs break and you see them dragging along and she likes to play with them. And I, so I can see when all of a sudden she gets focused on the ground, she's got one. And so, you know, I try to get over there and rescue it, uh, and get it out the way and save it. But, You know, is that my job or is it partly meant to just have nature unfold? Uh, You know, I talked about when I was at the, um, the cow farm, there was millions of rabbits. I didn't realize how abundant the rabbits were until I got off the cow farm and saw how few there are. So the babies were a huge food supply and I would find dead babies all the time. And, you know, the snakes would eat the babies and, you know, the mommy rabbits would fight and scream, but they couldn't really do anything, you know, to prevent the snakes. I had that one video where the snake, I caught the snake and the rabbit fighting. Uh, But one day I decided this uh, snake was trying, it was a bull snake, it was not a mouse snake, was trying to eat this baby. And I swear, I must have spent six hours trying to prevent that baby from getting eaten. And that day I picked up the snake and I moved it and it came back and I fought it and it came back. And I mean, I did everything I could to keep that snake from eating that baby and putting the baby back in the hole, you know, uh, blocking it. But after about six hours I just watched the snake eat the baby. It was terrible. You know, the baby screaming as the snake is trying to kill it, you know, suffocate it. And finally, you know, the baby died and it was over you know, and the mom, interestingly enough, you know, the mom comes back in and fills up the hole. It's I'm like, are there any more babies down there? Right. I mean, it's, it was this whole nature dynamic and I was desperate to try to save this baby. And I, in the end, I couldn't do it. And it goes on all day, every day, right? All day, every day, snakes are eating baby rabbits, rat, baby mice, baby rats, you know, and I don't feel bad about the, the rats and the mice so much, but the baby rabbits are so cute that you have this terrible reaction, you know, to watching these predators eat the baby rabbit. So, so I don't know what the answer to all this is, but I have talked about it long enough. So deep breath. Uh, if we are a push person, are we obligated to help? Can we just not stop ourselves from helping? Are we doing more harm by helping I don't have the answer, but if you take one thing from this, remember, it takes seven positive interactions to counterbalance one negative. And when you are wired to just sort of hurt people's feelings, whether you want to or not, by just being who you are, right? I don't ever wake up and say, I want to go hurt somebody's feelings. I do it all the time what's the what's the answer? Do I stay out of the way? Do I shut up? Do I shut down? Uh, do I retreat to writing books and anonymously submitting them so that nobody, you know, and shut down all social media, right? So nobody knows who you are. You can take the wisdom that the danger, the experience of danger, right, produces wisdom. But you can't have it both ways. You can't be the person that creates problems and solves problems, right, to gain the wisdom from that experience, you can't have it both ways. You can create the fantasy story, which is what's happened online here. Let me just edit you a story. you know people don't understand that. You see ten minutes of edited life and think you know me right no it's that true for everybody it's a it's what they call a curated life, right you're curating bits and pieces of your life to create a persona to get people to support you, to like you, to follow you, so that you can influence them in a way that someone's going to pay you, write a sponsor, or sell your own content. It's just a racket. What is really, truly helpful? I don't have the answer right now. But that really stuck with me. No good deed goes unpunished. That has, you know... Shown itself over time, but seven positives to one negative, and I can never stop myself from not being a negative push at some point at some time with every single person I interact with. I don't know what the solution to that is. I will look forward to your thoughts on that because. I understand it from the other people's side. I don't like it when people are mean or push or derogatory or assault me or judge me or criticize me or accuse me or persecute me. I don't like any of that energy coming at me. I understand it, but I don't like it. And I understand others not liking it when it comes from me. And I understand I can't stop it. Are we Is harm our feelings. I don't have the answer to that. So just something to think about. I will leave you with this yet another deep dive into who we are out in the world at a time when it's very, very confusing and scary. So with that, deep breath, my friends. Have a fabulous weekend, and I will see you next time.